0: Rising Star Podcast, with your host, Kelly Hughes.
1: On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Larry Sudnicki, the High Plains Drifters, lead vocalist, songwriter, all-around Renaissance man. They've got a brand new single out now called Alone on Christmas Day. I'm really digging it. We're going to talk about that and much more. So welcome to the show, Larry. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for having me. It's good to chat with you again. It seems like you're on a roll
0: this year. The songs from our summer 2021 EP, which, I mean, yeah, a couple of those did real well on YouTube. We we have a great video team in Norway, and they they produced some awesome stuff for our songs uh, since you've been gone. And the one that got away and he reminds me of you. And all of those are in the low millions of views each. So that that's cool.
1: You know, it's really interesting about most popular musicians. It doesn't matter what genre they're in, at some point, they all have to take that crack at doing a Christmas album.
0: Over the course of our 12 years together as a band, I've, for reasons that I really can't explain, I've, I've cranked out three Christmas songs. None were deliberate. I didn't sit down to write a Christmas song, although, I understand why any songwriter would. If you could, if you can get something that becomes a perennial, uh, you're literally golden. You know,
1: um, so. Well, but, Mar- Mariah Carey goes number one every Christmas. season. Yeah, she she that that that's an
0: awesome song, and uh, yeah, I mean, her grandchildren will be living off the royalties, I'm sure.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, talk about yours is. It's, it's got some romance in it it's talking about. I I think it taps into the thing people don't realize is how only people get at Christmas or it brings a lot of relationships to a head. Maybe people are, you know, uh, asking people to get married on Christmas. And uh, and it's just kind of like the Christmas part is almost like the least important. It's almost yeah. like these human relationships are more important. Yeah, I, I, I've read that that
0: you know, depression and drinking become big problems for a lot of people during the holidays. Um, I was spared that, uh, but I can certainly sympathize with you know going into a Christmas without someone meaningful in your life, um, you know, male, female, whatever. Um, but on the flip side of that, I can remember, you know when I was a younger guy and me and all my buddies were single, and the, you know, there' some guys who'd sit there and go, I'm going to have to break up with this girl before Christmas or I'm going to have to buy her a really nice present and I don't want to send the wrong signal. You know, um, I, I, I never I, I never operated that way. I was, you know, I, I love Christmas and I love the gift giving aspect of Christmas. I consider myself really lucky now to, you know, be in a good marriage with you know, a daughter who I adore and I, I shower the girls with
1: gifts every year. Well, how about a whole thing of if you're dating someone, it's like, oh, do I bring them home for Christmas to meet the parents? you know, I'm very far removed from that, but that's
0: that's a that's a big thing for any guy or girl with respect to their significant other. Uh, I can remember a couple of disastrous visits to girls' parents' houses in my past. I I, I knew, you know, like. Within several hours of walking through the door, that I was toast, and, <laughs> and, yet, and yet, and yet, I had to, I had to get through whatever that was, whether it was dinner or a day or, God forbid, an entire weekend. You had to suffer through it, knowing that when you got back to wherever you had been hanging out with that girl, she was going to dump your ass.
1: And isn't it better to get it over with on Christmas? No, better, or, no, like better, to better, better to get it over them.
0: With. Better to get over with a month before Christmas if you if you're if you're heading that way. <laughs> a month before
1: Christmas, get it done. Get it done before he, Thanksgiving. Here, young people don't remember the the Christmas office party, and if you would bring your you know girlfriend at the time to that, do you remember? Those days? Uh, I was
0: yeah, I was I was a young lawyer in New York City in the eighties, which was a crazy decade in New York. And this was, you know, before before the woke movement, before Me Too, before DEI, before it was pre AIDS, pre social media. It was it was a completely nutty time. And I was at one of the bigger law firms. And back in those days, at least I don't know if this is true everywhere, but the big law firms would throw firm wide parties uh, for all levels, you know, from the people in the mailroom up to the most senior partners. And I think it was while I was there that eventually they, uh, they killed part of that, and they started to have separate parties for just the lawyers and just everyone else, because they found that at the mixed parties, too many of the lawyers were getting hammered and hitting on support staff, some of whom were dating other support staff, and fights were breaking out. <laughs> so it was
1: it was crazy. Oh no, <laughs> it,
0: it was it was insane.
1: That's what's so fun to talk about to people like the eighties, nineties, when you could actually like have alcohol at an office Christmas party.
0: Well, yeah, you could do you could do anything pretty much because nobody, and I, I mean, you weren't ringed. Within five seconds of making a mistake, by 10 people pointing cell phones at you and filming you.
1: You know, you could screw oh, up, goodness. you could
0: screw up and still have anonymity.
1: Oh, another song. Oh, it's Elvis, Blue To me, that was almost like the ultimate of being lonely on Christmas and, you know, thinking about some lost romance. Where do you think your song fits in? Um, on the, on the scale mm. of, is there any optimism is it, there, is
0: I, it there's there's a, li- there's a little bit of optimism in the third verse you know the guy the guy starts out pining after a girl who he met and fell in love with one christmas and he's wondering where she's gone she's she's disappeared on him he he hopes he's he hopes she's coming back to whatever their hometown is but by the third verse he's pretty much given up and he's decided to move on and find love somewhere else. That, that That's probably about as optimistic as most of my songs that involve women will get.
1: Do you remember when on Christmas Day, like everything was closed, even restaurants? And like the only place you could really find was like a Chinese restaurant or some bar. I I absolutely like love. I, again, in New York
0: City, uh, that there there are a lot more places open than probably in the rest of the country. But I, I had my Christmas Chinese restaurant experience once when uh, uh, the gal that I was with at the time was uh, ill and hospitalized and I was going to be spending Christmas alone apart from visiting her. But my mom and my youngest brother came to New York to spend Christmas w- with me. Uh, last minute, uh, I hadn't planned anything, and I ended up—we uh, ended up uh, like in uh, the, you know, the Darren McGavin Peter Billingsley movie, *A Christmas Story*. We ended up having duck in a Chinese restaurant around the corner, and I was—I was happy as a pig in shit. I thought that was
1: perfect. <laughs> well, don't you also love the little leftovers? restaurants and just so much humanity like at 6 p.m. on Christmas Day. I, I've,
0: I've avoided I've, I don't think I've ever set foot in a bar on on Christmas or Christmas Eve but certainly in that month of December uh, at least in Manhattan all the bars take on a more festive air it seems and people people are a little warmer and friendlier and more liable to talk to you and be, you know, it really is a season of good cheer, I think. I think most people honor the spirit of the season, whether they, you know, believe in the religious underpinnings or
1: not. Well, tell me this, you know, on the one hand, we think, oh, we don't have anyone. We're alone on Christmas. But the flip side is there can be so much tension with families and relationships. Maybe sometimes the single people are the lucky ones. Uh, I, I think I think sometimes they are. And in fact,
0: the Christmas single that we released prior to Alone on Christmas Day, three years ago, we released Santa Bring My Girlfriend Back. And and that one was absolutely triggered by family tensions that I had experienced on Christmas Day the year before. So you know, Christmas Day 2019, I guess it was. And I, I was hosting Christmas for sort of the extended family, and there was a big blow-up between me and one of the family members on Christmas Day, and I woke up the next morning. I was the first one up, and I was starting to make the coffee, and the first lines of that song just popped right into my head, and I went, I've been drinking way too much this Christmas, and that's still the first line of the song, and from that point, I thought, wow, that might be a really great Christmas song, and I, I, I had to figure out what else to write and what the song would be about, but yeah, um, uh, you know, w- when my when my daughter was really young, she's a t- teenager now, uh, junior year of high school. But when she was young, uh, I used to make a habit, at least at Thanksgiving, I tried to get the hell out of the country
1: every every other year just to avoid the big <laughs> the big family gatherings. You know, that reminds me of the people who they drop out at Christmas in like of Christmas and fly to Hawaii and just say, you know, to heck with it
0: hawaii is a good place to to go spend Christmas. i've never done it but i i I, i'm a i spent my whole life in the mid-atlantic and northeastern states and i've never done a
1: tropical christmas but i I can
0: understand the allure
1: you know christmas music there's just something about it Uh, it's one of the biggest things that makes the holidays the holidays and i'm just wondering for you like what are the Christmas songs you like to hear? And then what are the ones you hear on the radio and go, oh, my God, uh, I hear yeah, that one okay. more time. I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. I, I, I can. Well, one of. Um,
0: I'm a big fan of the great classic American vocalists. So, you know, Sinatra, Dean Martin, Ella Fitzgerald, Mariah Carey, you know, um, so I I have a station on my Pandora app that is all just, you know, Martin Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Bing Crosby, Mariah Carey's in there. It's all Christmas stuff. I listen to that a lot. Um,
1: I'm, I'm, you must love love the classic, the classic Nat King Cole Christmas album.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and in fact, one of my favorite albums period, uh, was, I, and again, this is before the Internet when you had to go to record stores The I, I, I miss that experience of going to a record store and flipping through the bins, whether it was first LPs and later CDs and coming across an album that you'd never heard or heard of. And for me, one of those was Dean Martin's album called A Winter Romance. Oh. And they're not they're not all Christmas songs. But there are some amazing Christmas songs on there. He does his version of Baby It's Cold Outside. And I I could listen to that album pretty much any time of year. Uh, One of the modern Christmas songs that I really don't enjoy listening to, and and I almost hate saying it because this guy is one of the people who inspired me to become a songwriter. But the, the Paul McCartney song, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time, Mm-hmm. To me, is lame and not worthy of his talents as a songwriter. It's it's nowhere near what John Lennon did on you know so this is Christmas. It's nowhere near what Mariah Carey did. It's nothing close to Wham's Last Christmas. You know, I think I think McCartney needs to go write
1: a really great Christmas song and redeem himself. You know, one that's not an overt Christmas song, but kind of gets grouped in you know as a seasonal. Joni Mitchell, you know, the River song. I'm
0: not sure. I might know it if I heard it, but I know that it's not on any of my Christmas playlists.
1: Okay. Because that was like the ultimate melancholy, just really dwelling in that whole, you know, loneliness kind of feeling. Yeah. Again,
0: I don't. I'll look it up when we're off this podcast. Maybe I'll shoot you an email about it. The River song by Joni
1: Mitchell. I think it's just called River. River by Joni Mitchell. I'll look it up, man. And and so oh here's one I'll tell you my favorite but don't tell me if you dislike it but the one I always like hearing is Brenda Lee rocking around rocking around the
0: Christmas tree yeah yeah we, we, we that's a class I mean yeah that that has to be on your playlist um, I don't know if it's in my top ten but the uh, the guitar sounds on there are are something that we tried to evoke a little in the intro to Alone on Christmas Day
1: yeah well tell me a little bit about the music of alone on christmas day because it has your you know signature vocal delivery but it also has some little almost like r&b dance touches it's almost (laughs) like it's approaching a little bit of a dance
0: yeah well my 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 co-writer i co-wrote the song with our longtime producer greg cohen who i've been buddies with forever like for 30 years or so. Uh, we met each other through music, uh, and then eventually he started producing the band when we were about halfway through our first album. Um, Greg and I are both huge R&B fans, maybe Greg more so than me, although I, I grew up in D.C. at a time when, uh, at least you know, on FM radio for me, it was all either rock or soul. There was nothing else. So the R&B influences are, pro- are absolutely Greg's, uh, and we we co-wrote with uh, the band's two guitarists, John Makeham and Mike Decampo, also big r and b fans. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, everyone everyone brings their whole history and uh, and love of music to a song. and you know not not everything that people record is going to work or stay in the final mix, but I think we I think we did pretty well on this one.
1: Well, I would say the chorus, especially. catchy it's memorable it it has something that hooks you you know what is the key to you know to like a strong hook like that i wish
0: i could tell you um the chorus came to me on this song before anything else and i thought i had a really catchy chorus right away and i i I can't explain where the stuff comes from Uh, in the case of this song unlike the christmas song i was talking about earlier Santa Bring My Girlfriend De- Back was triggered by a real-life event that happened to me one Christmas morning. This song, uh, the chorus just came out of nowhere late this last spring, I think it was, because by, by June I was sending lyrics and early melody ideas uh, by email to Greg. And then I had to figure out, you know, the rest of the song, come up with the, the verses and the melody. But the chorus just came. I was really lucky. You
1: know, the video... It also has a real trademark look. You know, you have these you shot in Norway with these beautiful young women, and I think it's interesting. You have a song called "A on Christmas Day, and the main woman in the you know, she, she seems pretty happy being alone. Um, it's very joyful.
0: Yeah, look, Lars Scaland, who's been our video producer-director now for, I guess, four or five straight videos, he's We just we hit the mother load when uh, our marketing guy, Jonathan Chang, tracked him down and and we hired him. Uh, He's done unbelievable work for us. He gives us videos that look like we've got every single major label behind us instead of not a single one. Um, The women in Norway are I can't believe they're all as beautiful as the ones that end up in our videos. But but we've been lucky to get really captivating. Captivatingly good-looking girls in these videos, um, who each of whom brings something really cool to to the part she's playing. Um, yeah, if you look like I guess if you look like Rose, who's the star of Alone on Christmas Day, you could be happy pretty much any day of the year.
1: And the dancers. I mean, she must be a trained dancer. I I, I didn't ask, but I would guess. Yeah because it just brought kind of a very spontaneous feel, like it wasn't a total dance video, but she brought this really cool choreography to kind of punctuate moments of the video. I wish I could take credit
0: for that, but, uh, you know, the the concept for the video was worked out between our our marketing consultant, Jonathan Chang and Lars, and I, I just count myself as very lucky that like, every time I, I see the first treatment for a video that comes from, from Lars and Jonathan, I almost inevitably go, that sounds perfect. I give it the green light, and they go, shockingly, they produce
1: me a video that I can actually afford. <laughs> well, I love the part where she pushes Santa into the water.
0: Yeah. I, 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 when I first saw that, I was a little concerned. I'm a big fan fan of Santa. I I was not particularly thrilled to see him dunked like that, but in the context of an interpersonal relationship with Rose, it's okay, I guess.
1: I would think so. I think you can take a little bit of artistic license there. Agreed. agreed. (laughs) I'll tell you the other thing with this project is the artwork for the record cover, which you know brings back a classic vinyl record cover i'm almost thinking like from the 60s maybe you know those ones that had a lot of production value and you know you know a model on the cover and a very moody kind of piece yeah
0: that again that was uh, we've been we've had the same graphics guy now for a while his name is sean mosher smith um just like lars on the video side sean has been amazing in everything he's done for us, whether, I mean, again, in a very different direction, if you go look at the artwork on our summer 2021 EP, Songs of Love and Lost, there was a deliberately different concept there, more, uh, more modern, a little oriented towards space, if that makes any sense. Uh, and on this one, um, Alone on Christmas Day is very much, to me, it's in the tradition of the classic christmas songs by sinatra martin et cetera, and so forth so the you know going with that more retro look on the cover uh made sense
1: with like your parents stack of records you know they would have had like a herb out know, tracks um, actually just seems like something that would have been there
0: actually Herb Alpert's record was one of the few that was in the house. Uh, I, I'm always, it always shocks me when I look back over my life that I did not grow up in a house where a lot of music was being played. Um, my folks didn't have even a little, I can't even remember where the record player was. They had something. And I know we had Herb Alpert. My mom was a, uh, an American Italian girl from the Bronx was a, of of the age where Sinatra was her hero, and you know she, she used to tell me stories about you know hopping the subway from the Bronx and going down into Times Square to see Sinatra in concert when she was in her teens and college years um, but but my dad couldn't stand Sinatra because he couldn't understand how a skinny little Italian guy like that was getting all the girls, so he didn't want Sinatra <laughs> being played in the house um, i don't remember seeing a sinatra album in the house until i started buying them probably in college and uh yeah it's a i wasn't i wasn't surrounded by a big record collection until i got to college and and i i roomed during my sophomore junior and senior years roomed with pretty much the same guys and two of those guys each came with like three or four hundred albums apiece and when you combined these are LPs, when you combine that into an 800 LP record collection, we were in pretty good shape. And I was exposed to a lot of music that I hadn't heard on the radio growing up in the D.C.
1: suburbs. So with this new one, would you call this now your Christmas trilogy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, technically, we've bundled them, although we
0: haven't we haven't printed any printed. We haven't we haven't sent out any. CDs to radio but the theory was that the three songs were would be pushed as an EP uh this Christmas season but as as it's turned out all the focus is just on alone on Christmas day um i, I guess if i live long enough given my track record it might be inevitable that at some point i'll write another christmas song but who knows
1: so the power be in the trilogy
0: I'm sorry. Say again.
1: Oh, there's a lot of power in a trilogy by having three of these.
0: We're getting into mystical things now.
1: <laughs> well, you know the Star Wars trilogy, and well, the Star yeah, Wars. anytime in the book, yeah, or a book trilogy. It's this is kind of or, like your
0: or or if you're Roman Catholic
1: like me, the Holy Trinity. So Ex- exactly. Well, you know we've talked about. Pop music Christmas. Is there any like uh, religious Christmas songs or hymns you like? Uh,
0: I was raised. I was raised on those. I went to Catholic school for twelve years, and I was fortunate enough to be in a parish on the D.C. Maryland border that had an absolutely fantastic old-fashioned choir. And in fact, my brother was in that choir. They they sang at the White House when Nixon was president. I mean, just a really superb choir and all the classic old Christmas hymns were part of my upbringing. We, we were taught them in music class, too. Um, yeah. Uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Adeste uh, Fidelis, right, in the in Latin. Um, and some of them we were taught to sing in Latin, in fact. Um, yeah, I, I, I love them all. I, I remember listening to uh, McCartney being interviewed once, where he was talking about songwriting. And I guess he had, He's not Roman Catholic, but, you know, Church of England or whatever. He had grown up, I guess, being dragged off to church. And he said in one of his interviews, he said, well, you know, whenever whenever you're, you're stuck writing a song, you just, you know, fall back on the old church hymns and you're inevitably going to find inspiration.
1: I wonder if that inspired Eleanor Rigby. Hmm. I think I don't know. Don't know. Well, at least she was picking up rice in a church where a wedding had been oh no that yeah, was but, i mean
0: if you listen I mean, let it let it be clearly has those old church hymn overtones to it not so much eleanor rigby mm-hmm.
1: Well, the message of here comes the sun that seems very optimistic Agreed. Agreed. I mean, uh,
0: my Christmas songs are um, not not on the optimistic. I mean, they're like a lot of my songs. uh, You have a, a. A singer or a protagonist who's having issues
1: with some girl or girls in his life. Okay. Now now I'm still thinking of of traditional Christmas songs. You know what? One is kind of almost like modern is uh, Oh Christmas Tree, Oh Tonnenbaum. When you break that that down? I mean, that's very old, I believe. I mean, I think it dates back a few hundred years to Germany. (laughs) And I don't know if it's does it have a weird time signature or something. It's got something erratic about it. You're you're at you're asking the wrong guy. I, I, <laughs> I I've I've
0: never studied music and I can't read or write music. So time signatures. So how
1: how have you become such a songwriter?
0: Again, hard to explain, but somewhere around my sophomore or junior year of high school, I just started hearing lyrics and melody in my head and i started scribbling them down on little scraps of paper and trying to memorize the melody lines eventually you know spitting them onto little cassette recorders and uh so it uh, i i was i was not trained but but the songs write themselves in my head and then i go through this crazy exercise where i sit with initially with greg our producer maybe with one or one or more of our guitarists, and we work out the basic structure of a song based on me trying to explain to them what the sounds are that I hear in my head. And I've, it's, not, it's not that unusual. I mean, at least I've learned it's not that unusual. Um, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Michael Jackson, but he worked kind of the same way. He couldn't read or write music, but he could hear notes and chords and other instruments in his head, and he was able to convey them to really talented producers and musicians who who figured who could understand what what he was hearing and and that's my process it it it's ridiculous to watch if you're if you if you were just if you walked into you know the the studio when we're working on a demo it's me sitting there trying you know trying to sound like certain guitar chords or trying to it's it's a lot easier to convey actual notes whether they're piano notes or guitar notes But once I start mimicking chords, it it starts to sound really ridiculous. But they but the guys figure it out. They're really brilliant musicians, and they pretty much always can figure out what I'm hearing in my head. Wasn't Tom Petty kind of like that too? I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't. I haven't. I wish. I I wish I'd. I regret that I didn't see him perform, and I haven't gone out of my way to track down interviews with him to see what his. I, I do remember one famous. I don't know whether it was famous to him, but it always stuck with me. Someone asked him once about the songwriting process, and his response was something like, I can't explain it to you. It's this mystical thing. It just happens. You know, I, I, I was watching an interview. I don't know if it was on YouTube or actually something that I saw on television, but it was the, the three Bee Gees being interviewed on a late-night talk show. And the, whoever the host was asked them about one of the songs in the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. I forget which one. Let's say it was Staying Alive. So the host goes, Guys, how long did it take you to write Staying Alive? And Barry Gibb and one of the other brothers blurred out almost simultaneously, three minutes and 32 seconds. And the host was take, <laughs> and the host was taken aback. And he goes, he goes, What? What do you mean? And and Barry Barry answered and he said, I can't explain it. But the entire song just poured out, finished in three minutes and 32 seconds. And then we just had to figure out, you know, lyrics, melody, and then we had to figure out all the instrumentation. And sometimes it absolutely happens that way. You can be somewhere and a song starts in your head and you know it's yours, or at least you, you hope it's yours. You hope it's not something you heard somewhere else. And then you, you, you grab that first musical idea or lyric and three minutes later when you're lucky you're done It doesn't Not happen often enough, enough. enough it doesn't happen often enough but it does happen
1: i love stories like that it it basically takes the time the the length of the song is the amount of time it took to compose it
0: S- sometimes if you go back to our debut album uh, our song jennifer aniston why are you single uh i wrote it in the short span of time it took me to walk from the northern edge of Herald Square in Manhattan to the southern edge of Herald Square, which is maybe four blocks, um, and then right before I hopped on the PATH train to go underground, I pulled out my iPhone and I I sang the whole song into my iPhone. It was it
1: was done in in a four block walk. What did people do before iPhones when they couldn't capture that and you know they'd get home and forget it? I I. I
0: you, have to keep, you, you used to have to keep the melodies in your head until you could get to a tape recorder. I remember an interview with John Fogarty from Credence. Uh, he, he never went anywhere without a notebook or at least a scrap of paper and a pencil to write on. Um, but he, he tended to keep one or more songwriting notebooks on him at all times. Um, I think Keith Richards, uh, I, if I remember something that I saw him interviewed on, he used to keep a notebook at his bedside or or even a tape recorder at his bedside. And, yeah, and one morning he woke up and he found on the tape recorder the guitar chords from Satisfaction, which he had clearly recorded somewhere in the middle of the night before, but he had absolutely no memory of waking up and playing those chords into the tape recorder.
1: That is crazy.
0: I think that's a true story, or at least according to Keith Richards, that's a true story.
1: Yeah. I, I used like, to, you know, artistic people have, yeah, I was just going to say, artistic, they all have a unique method, you know, and it seems like, you know, you would have that too. Like, do you have your own unique kind of well, record I, keeping? Sure-hand? I
0: used to, now everything goes on my iPhone, but back in the, in the eighties and nineties, when I was, I, I was reasonably prolific, it seemed, although not all of it was good. A lot of it was crap, but If I was heading out on a Saturday or Sunday just to aimlessly roam around Manhattan, I would have one of those little four or five inch long dictaphone cassette recorders in my pocket and inevitably roaming around Manhattan, either I'd come up with an idea or something in the environment around me would trigger an idea and I'd find myself standing on a street corner Uh, Sometimes just singing notes into the tape recorder, sometimes singing melody and lyrics into the tape recorder. But a lot of a lot of songs started and got preserved that way. Now, you know, my iPhone's with me everywhere I go. And
1: uh, I mean, the worst, the worst thing thing about about that is. Well, when you just write it down, like you write some lyrics down. It's it's amazing how quickly like when you get home, you can't remember the cadence or the melody. I know, just I write on the paper. I, I have some I have some lyric sheets like that
0: and I have no idea what the melodies are. I, I used to, but there are old lyric sheets laying around. I don't know what the, the melodies are and you stare at them, and you go, What might that have been? Could it have been any good? Could it have been on a record or was it a piece of shit,
1: you know? Have you ever been heartbroken? where you kind of remember it as this was really good yeah you just cannot get that melody
0: yeah i i have a couple of those where there's a light bulb in the back of my head saying back when you first wrote this this was really catchy but i can't remember the
1: catchy part at all you know modern music i you know i don't want to discount it all but there's this trend i think it's been going on for the past 10 years where people just repeat words or re- repeat phrases and it's hooky, but it's yeah, not melody. I mean,
0: a, a, a classic practitioner or violator of that would be Rihanna. You yeah. Know? Go, go listen to her stuff. And I'm like, you know, about 10 seconds into the song, I'm like, is there ever going to be another lyric or is this, or is this it? And and sometimes with Rihanna, the answer is, nope, that's all there is. You you just heard the hook, and she's going to repeat it for two and a half minutes.
1: And you know what? For pop radio, that lets people get hooked really fast, like on the first one or two listens. But it's not very good for longevity. Like after the 10th listen, it's like, oh, my goodness. uh, This is driving me crazy. Yeah, I I agree. I, I
0: try to approach, when I can, I try to approach every song as a mini narrative, it it should have a story arc from verse one to two to three. It should it should have a beginning, middle, and an end. Not just musically, but in terms of of the story that it's telling. Not and it, they can't always work that way. And you have to be conscious of the need. If you think you've found a catchy hook, you you know you need to hammer that home and repeat it. Um, but I could never just. Do two and a half minutes of this the same hook. Or may, maybe I could. I just, I just don't think that's the way I'm wired. I think I'm about 50 50 on the bridges. So, Alone on Christmas Day has no bridge. Um, of the other two Christmas songs, the other two do. Uh, Santa, bring my girlfriend back and get me home by Christmas Eve. I think I'm pretty sure you'd say parts of those are bridges. Uh, we're sitting on a small pile of recordings. Uh, as we inch towards getting enough of them to put out a second album next year. And most of those have a bridge. Uh, I've occasionally been stuck writing a song that I think should have a bridge and I cannot come up with one. I am blessed to have in my band. uh, I mean, all the guys are great musicians, uh, Our guitarist, John Makem is also a really talented songwriter in his own right. Puts out records under his own name and his band name, Binge. And a couple of times I've been stuck and I've just said, John, I need a bridge. And if you go back to our first album, uh, the first single we put out was a song called Virginia. It has has a great bridge, 100% John. Uh, John also wrote parts of... Uh, I don't know if it's technically the bridge, it's really an answering part. Our single he reminds me of you, which was the last single we put out before this uh there's a we put Christina Benedetto, who's usually one of our backup singers. she took lead vocals and they're John and I are singing answering parts to her, and John wrote those parts so um, yeah but but for the guys I work with uh my my songs would be pretty plain, maybe boring.
1: Well, it sounds like you're writing songs for long term. You want these melodies to endure. I'm a, I'm a, I've am I'm, always been
0: a melody-driven guy and I, I think that at the end of the day, over the long haul, melody will win out. Um, I think that the The classic Christmas songs that we listen to today from 30, 40, 50, 60, even 70 years ago, we're listening to them because the melodies are memorable. I think that's the number one reason they could have almost any lyrics. You could probably rewrite all the greatest Christmas songs of all time with completely different lyrics and they'd still stick with you because those melody lines are just so amazing.
1: Yeah. And I agree. And before we wrap up, I want everyone to actually watch this video, learn more about your music. So where should they start?
0: They should start for this video and the others that we've done. There may be five or six others, most of them by Lars Skolland. They're all on YouTube. Just search under the High Plains Drifters. Yeah, you, know, you can subscribe to our video feed there. If you like the Alone on Christmas Day video, please give us a thumbs up or leave us a comment or two. Uh, And just search the band's name, High Plains Drifters, on any of the streaming services, you'll find us there.
1: Excellent. It's so funny, I can't get out of my head now uh, talking about the Christmas office parties, but we'll save that for another time. But I'm just thinking of just the craziness of Christmas and how, you know, everyone has their own different experience, but at the same time, they're just these common things that we all have, you know, crazy family gatherings, broken romance. You know, what's good about your Christmases for you nowadays? For me, it's
0: it's really about being in my home with my wife and daughter and whatever other parts of the, the extended family might be around. But I've learned as time has gone by how important it is for us as a family to be In our actual home. And I say that because we. Last year we decided to spend. 10 days. Which straddled Christmas day. In London. Which is absolutely magical at Christmas. The English invented all this Christmas stuff. That we have here. Um, And London was amazing. But to be in a hotel. On Christmas morning. Was just not right. So we've made sure that this year. We're going to be. Uh, home on Christmas Day, and then uh, the next day we're going to head up uh, into Vermont, where where we have a ski house, and uh, spend some time in the in the, you know, in a winter wonderland and uh, chill for a week.
1: So you're like pretty much guaranteed you'll have snow at Christmas. Uh, it's
0: almost almost guaranteed that there will be a white Christmas in Vermont. Although it was ab- about four or five years ago, I was actually uh, I married. A girl who skis and my daughter grew up skiing i grew up both a little too poor and a little too south of the mason dixon line to ever learn to ski Uh, i was going to learn one winter five or six years ago i was going to spend two weeks in december leading up to christmas at the house and take some group lessons that year there was no snow on the ground until the first week of february but that, that was an outlier. I, I think we'll have a white Christmas up there. Whatever's happening at my regular house, at the ski house, it should be crystal white.
1: Well, you know, whether or not you ski, just as long as you spend some time outside, get really cold. So then when you dive back inside next to the warm fire and get the hot chocolate, it, it feels real cozy. It it, it
0: does. We, we have a nice, we have a little but cozy house up there. Big, big. Fireplace. It, it, it's it's a really cool place to spend the week after Christmas. We try to spend that week
1: there every year. And do you serenade your wife with Christmas carols?
0: Well, if she's stuck in the car, anyone who's stuck in the car with me at this time of year is going to be hearing Christmas carols. I don't. I won't go full full on Christmas carols on any of the home stereos until after Thanksgiving. Um, although although I have started to torture myself with the occasional usually grade b or c christmas movie on the hallmark channel
1: i I love the name of your group the high plains drifters and uh, remind me again where that came from
0: uh like so much about my uh, semi-career in music it it, it was a, a fortuitous accident i must have spent a week uh batting proposed names back and forth with, uh, my marketing advisor, Jonathan Chang. And I I honestly don't know how anybody names anything in the modern world, because it seems like whether it's a book, a film, uh, you know, a song, a band's name, uh, it seems that the, the great names or the obvious great names are, are taken. And I don't remember what triggered it, but I was I was in my car in between my then home uh, in the New York City area and visiting my mom down on the Maryland Eastern Shore. And uh, I don't know why I was thinking about movies or or Clint Eastwood. But but I was like, oh, you know, maybe the High Plains Drifters. And I I shot it over uh, to my marketing guy, Jonathan Chang. And he said, love it. And I was like, OK, I'm, it's like after 100 other attempts. Well, let's just go with that and see what
1: happens. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you know, your music, you know, it's pop and yet it's intelligent. And it seems like, you know, it's something that young people can enjoy, but it also has, you know, something to grasp on for, you know, for a mature crowd. You know, people who grew up with the classics of the 70s and 80s can appreciate you too. And so I just want to wrap up and to have you say, you know, what do you think your style is and and how do you embrace your past while still appealing to the modern pop market?
0: That is something that we, we struggled with as a band and that I I always struggle with as a songwriter. I'm heavily influenced having spent much of my formative songwriting years in the seventies. I'm heavily, heavily influenced by, uh, what radio would today call Americana, but we just knew as the Eagles and Firefall and America and John Denver and groups like that. Things that that back then were starting to lean a little country, but they weren't Nashville country. Um, but the 70s was a a great era for storytelling in multiple genres. I mean, on the I loved the old soul songs that had the two to three minutes spoken intro that you could never do that on radio today, unless you're Taylor Swift, she could do anything she wants. But, you know, there are these great old soul songs like uh, the Chilights, Have you seen her? You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're listening to this guy, bemoaning the loss of this girl. He's just talking for two or three minutes before the song kicks in. And so you had black guys, white guys, black girls, white girls. You had this whole storyteller vibe and i've always loved that and i try to bring that underlying approach to any song i write while recognizing that we we need a sound that's a little more current uh, you know a little more modern so as when we got around to doing our summer 2021 ep songs of love and loss uh, everyone in the band every single one of us is, is musically a child of the 80s at heart and we just decided to go back to the decade of popular popular music that we love the most and explore some new wave and other 80s sounds. And so that that's probably the direction you'll keep hearing from us. But every now and then we're going to throw you a curveball and come back with something that probably sounds like something the Eagles might have written a long time ago.
1: Remember when like radio would play? You know, Gordon Lightfoot singing about the Edmund Fitzgerald.
0: (laughs) I was listening to that song not too long ago. And I was like, like, this could never be played today. You know, just no way this would be played today.
1: Well, one thing I do know that's going to be played is your music, including the latest Alone on Christmas Day from the uh, upcoming EP Christmas Collection hey uh just to remind everyone i've been talking with larry studnicki of the high plains drifters a group that has so many songs you should go back to you know listen to the christmas stuff but go back deep into the previous releases and i think you're just one of those bands that every new project i think we're going to get more surprises and they you know our patience i think will pay off
0: I, I hope so. We I, I believe strongly in the quality of the the stuff that's in the can and that we're, we're sitting on to release next year. Um, again, I, I'm I'm blessed to have partly by accident and partly by design, ended up in a band with amazing, brilliant musicians who bring their own special gifts to every song we do. Um, yeah, I, I could have never foreseen when I did the, when I sang the first lyrics and melody of Alone on Christmas Day, never could have foreseen how strong a song it would become in the hands of my collaborators. And and I I tip my hat to them every time I listen to one of my songs.
1: And maybe someday you can host a guided tour of Norway and retrace where all your music videos were filmed.
0: Some subset of the band and I are going to have to road trip to Norway to meet with Lars and, and go to dinner with him, and maybe a couple of the girls
1: that have starred in our videos.
0: That's a a trip that's got to happen.
1: I can see a little road documentary film being made out of that. With with luck, it would be an experience that would trigger some decent songs, you know? (laughs) I love it. Well, I'll be first in line to watch it. Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. You're keeping pop music intelligent, and I really hope we get a chance to talk again soon.
0: I hope so. It's really kind of you to say I'm I'm grateful for the compliments. And on behalf of me and the other guys and girls in the High Plains Drifters, we, we thank you for giving us this time and shining a little light on our still very obscure band. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.